Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that we have bold access to the presence of God. It says that we can come before the throne of grace to receive grace, to, to find grace and receive mercy to help in time of trouble. When you come into a time where you have need in your life, when you come into a time where there's trouble that would plague you, it's not the time to go looking for answers in the world. It's the time to go stand before your maker. Because what you'll find there, not only will you find answers, but you'll find grace. You'll find heaven's empowerment. You'll find God's very ability infused into you. Grace is so much more than the thing that forgives us of our sins. Grace is the quality that empowers us to live the life God has called us to. So when you enter into a moment of need, it's important that you find grace because there's always grace that supersedes the need. Like what one pastor says, we need to focus not on the, the demand of life, but on the supply of grace that comes from God. Because there's always more supply than there ever is of demand in this world. <laughs> Life will put demands on you. The challenges of this world, the needs of this world will come and knock on your door with demands. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about this? Got to make a decision about this. Got to make a decision about that. Well, when you, when you get to that moment of need, you do what we've done this morning. You come before the throne. You say, Father, what does grace say about this need? What does grace have to say about this need? What's the supply that heaven has to meet the demand that, that this world has placed upon my life? When you do that, you'll be free. The Bible says he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live with burden. Amen? How many of you know that's good news? You don't have to live with a bunch of burdens. You don't have to live with a weight around your neck, with the, with the weight of the world on your shoulders. Jesus said, come unto me, O you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. When the need comes, you, you, go, you go to the presence of God, you go before the throne, and you link up with Jesus. You put his yoke upon you, and you'll find that there's rest 
that for every demand that life places on you, for every need that waves its flag in your face trying to get your attention, that there's a supply of grace that comes when we link with Jesus, when we take his yoke upon us and we begin to learn from him, then grace gets infused into our life and begins to take the struggle out of life. Amen. Well, praise God. Ooh. Amen. Y'all doing all right in here? Yeah? Amen. I don't know who came hungry today, but somebody did. My gosh. Let's throw our whole service off. Good for you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Messed the whole doggone thing up. It's great. You know, as we were sitting, as I was sitting in the front row and Sean was teaching... I promise I wasn't spacing out on you. I was just getting some stuff from the Lord. But it dawned on me when, when we come into the presence of God and when we come into worship, all eyes are supposed to be fixed on Jesus, right? And there's this temptation that we have to try to rebel against that and do our own thing. And I feel it a lot as a, as a pastor because sometimes we have a service where the Lord just wants to take over and do what he wants to do. And that's ultimately way more important than whatever it is we want to do. And sometimes I wrestle within myself, well, should I preach the message I brought or should we do something else or what should we do? And it dawned on me today that that's the same trap that Lucifer fell into. That when all eyes were in heaven on Jesus, Lucifer decided he wanted some eyes on him. And it cost him big. When you get into the presence of Jesus, every eye should see him. Every ear should hear him. It's not about us. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's not about your content that you think is so important. It's not about what you have to offer. It's all about him. Amen. Pride, pride will try to rob us of the beauty of his presence all the time. Pride will try to distract and, and pull our attention away from the beauty of who he is. But it's really all about him. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I, um, my, my family's here today. My mom and my dad and my sister are here today. Um, my mom and dad from, from up in New York and my sister from out in California. And um, they've been such a blessing to me. They've been such a help this week um, with my wife in Peru. Um, I, man, this week would have been awful <laughs> with, without some help around the house. Tell you what, makes you appreciate the one you're married to it makes you appreciate. You know, you know the old saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Amen. Oh, praise God. Diapers and schedules and meals and all of this. They've been such a help. So thank you. Um, I asked my dad to just stand up. He's a pastor in, in Niagara Falls, New York. Some of you know him. Some of you will be meeting him for the first time today. But I asked him to just greet everybody and say hello. Um, 
just briefly. So if you would do that, would you just come up and just say hello to the people real quick? Where's the microphone? Does Sean have it? Just use one of these there. That's Oh, Tim's got it. There you go. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Hello. How y'all doing? Man, this is awesome in here today. Are y'all feeling what I'm feeling? God is so good to us. Um, I was just, I actually, what Josh was saying about all the help that he got came from my wife. She's the one, and Laura. I was actually in the woods in a cabin in Pennsylvania for a few days. You know, and I saw, um, I, I was just thinking about this when you were talking about looking at Jesus. I saw this, um, did y'all ever see this? I, I saw this big crow flying one day. And there was a little bird following him everywhere he went, just picking at him and picking at him. Did you ever see that happen, the, the big birds and the little? I thought, you know, that's how the devil is. He's just always picking, you know. He's always trying to distract us. I, uh, I've been meditating in, in Thessalonians where Paul talks about praying without ceasing. And I've been endeavoring to do that. That's, an, that's a tall task. Um. But this verse of Scripture was in my mind this morning, and it's out of 1 Samuel chapter 16. I just want to read this for you, and then I'll sit down. Um, This is when Samuel is anointing David to be king, and Jesse brings all of his other sons and doesn't bring David, and it's a big story. But this verse stands out to me. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. This morning he's looking at our hearts. So in his presence as we sit and as we worship, we're exposing our hearts to him. And uh, God has a wonderful way of transforming us in His presence. Taking those things, like Josh said, uh, Pastor Josh said, the burdens and the cares, the cares of this, the Scripture says the cares of this life will choke the Word of God out of us. It'll choke it. It'll become unfruitful. You may have the Bible. You may know the Bible. But if your heart's filled with care, but that word isn't effective. It's not productive in our lives. And so we come in the presence of the Lord and that precious reign of the Holy Spirit, His, His presence, as we say. He's working. You know, God, just while you're sitting there, God's working on you. Amen. I'm very glad for that. Are you glad for that this morning? He's working on my heart this morning. I say it all the time. I'm a Christian under construction. He's changing us. He's transforming our lives. And He will get the glory out of it, but we will get the joy out of it. You see, as the the burdens of life are taken, as God looks upon the heart, and and this is part of that praying without ceasing. This is the part where it's the heart. See, it's the prayer of the heart. It's not what we see on the outside. It's not the demonstrations that people see. 
but it's the heart that God's looking at. And it's the prayer of the heart. And as we're in His presence and as we're giving of ourselves to Him. You see, this is how He begins to speak and lead you and guide you and teach you. Do you know you have a tutor from heaven? Amen. There's a the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, it's so important that I go away because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But he went away and he tag-teamed with the Holy Ghost and he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And he's been here ever since. And he's here to tutor us. Jesus said he'll be our teacher. So he looks upon the heart and he takes all the burdens. And as those burdens are lifted and all those cares are gone, the joy of the Lord begins to kind of bubble up. Did you ever have something bubble up on the inside? How many? Raise your hand if you've ever had that. Isn't that wonderful? That's him. That's him letting you know it's the work he's doing. And the Bible says it's God who's at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I've found out that it's his good pleasure that is the best thing for me. Whatever I think I want is nothing compared to what he thinks and knows that I need. Amen? So when you come in his presence, that scripture says mercy and grace. Mercy. Mercy is when, when, when we don't get what we deserve. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve. It's all available to us. But God's looking at your heart today. So I'm just encouraging you, surrender it to him. Give everything to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Randy, Pastor Dad. <laughs> Amen. I believe it's important that we give honor where honor is due. Amen. My, my parents have served the Lord faithfully for so many years and have walked with God through every kind of season of life, and so I honor them today. I honor their presence here this morning. Amen. Praise God. Um, I, I, will, I will just share a couple of moments today, just a few of the things that I wanted to share today. Um, we've been in a series on the book of Colossians, and since we've had a different service this morning, since the Lord interrupted us with his presence, praise God, thank you, Jesus. How many of you know it's just better to do things God's way than to just do it your own way and do it in your own strength? Since the Lord has... Uh, rerouted some of the service this morning. I don't want to take a lot of time, um, a whole lot more time to, today. So, But I do, I do want to share a couple things that I do have in my notes for today because they're, they're very pertinent to what God's already been saying in, in, our, in our service here this morning, which is just, it's awesome. We've been on this series uh, in Colossians, and last week we covered Colossians 3, and today we would be covering Colossians 4, <clears throat> which is the closing chapter in this awesome book. And if you missed, if you weren't able to be here for uh, any of the pieces of the series, I want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to them on our podcast. Uh, you can access that either through iTunes or by visiting highcountrychristian.com. Um, I think you'll be blessed. I believe you'll be encouraged and inspired by what we've covered so far. This is an amazing book, and it was written to an amazing little church. 
um, and I've said this every week, I, it's, it so encourages me to have read and to have understood the background behind the book of Colossians because it was written to this little church in this little town in this out-of-the-way corner of Asia Minor called the Lycene Valley. And it, it was this powerhouse of a letter that Paul writes to this little church that met in the house of a man named Philemon. And I just think it's so cool that Paul would write, that God would select this little church to receive such a powerful letter from the, the guy. I mean, Paul was the guy in the New Testament. He was, he was God's instrument for bringing about two-thirds or more of the New Testament. And he was the one that really led the charge and spearheaded uh, turning the world upside down for the gospel. Paul went to places nobody else would go because he was so passionate about the things of God. And so I thought, man, this general of the faith writes this letter to this small little church. It just so shows me that God is interested no matter what size, no matter what stature a person is or a ministry is, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, God is invested in where you are. No matter the size, this is a little tiny church, probably smaller than our church. And yet God chooses Paul to write this doctrinally rich, heavy book and deliver it to them. That ought to tell you that no matter where you're at in your development, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, he's got a vested interest in this moment of your life. Amen? And he wants to, he wants to see you grow. He wants to see you develop, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the biggest church in town. You don't have to be the, the most mature Christian farthest down the line in your relationship with God. All you got to do is be hungry and be willing. God will meet you right where you're at every single time. Amen? So, go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get some good stuff out of it, I hope. Um, I want to just touch on a couple verses real quick, and then we'll, we'll uh, see what else happens. Um, chapter 4, these are the closing statements of Paul. And I, I want to read from verse 2 down through about verse 4 or so. Maybe 5, maybe 6, I don't know. See how far we get. Verse 2 of chapter 4. You doing okay this morning? Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. Verse 2 of chapter 4. I feel the preach coming on now. This is good. Verse 2 of chapter 4 says, Continue earnestly. Everybody say earnestly. Yes. Earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us also that God would open up to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in chains, and that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, and let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, from verse 7 down through verse 18, Paul gives greetings to various people. And 
I would encourage you to go read that, as I've been encouraging you this whole series. Whatever chapter we're on, read that chapter once a day, every day for the week that we're on it, and get something out of it. Don't just rely on what I'm talking to you about today. Go deeper. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Go deeper. Go beyond just what you hear on Sunday. It's not good enough to eat one meal a week, right? If you only had lunch on Sunday afternoon as that was the only meal that you had in the week, you would not be a healthy person, right? You wouldn't be getting enough. And so I want to encourage you, go deeper beyond just what we're talking about here for these these few moments on a Sunday. Press beyond that because there's more in the Word that you haven't seen yet. There's more in the Word that I haven't seen yet. Amen? So keep pressing in. But I encourage you to read the latter part of this chapter uh, this week on your own time. It's uh, it's mostly greetings and saying goodbye to to different people, and uh, it's, it's nice. So let's go back to verse 2. Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer. The question that was posed to my heart when I was studying this this week, how can we continue in something unless we've already started it? How can I continue in something I haven't started? Paul makes a very poignant assumption about your and my life, and that is that it is a life of prayer. He assumes we're already praying, so he encourages us to continue in it. How can you continue in something you haven't started yet? The unfortunate reality of the world that we live in is that many Christians just don't have a prayer life. They pray before a meal And that's about it, (laughs) right? Our lives are meant to be intermingled and intertwined with the Spirit of God. We're meant to be in harmony with the one who created us. And a big part of us walking in relationship with the Lord is that we have a prayer life. Amen? You ought to be praying every day. I think it's really funny that Dad came up and said he was reading through 1 Thessalonians 5 when Paul says, pray without ceasing. Oh, that's intense. It's a serious thought. It's not easy to do. But what would it look like if our lives were a constant communication? See, I believe that that's what Paul's talking about. You can't pray while you're, you know, sleeping. Right? Or, or while you're in conversation with somebody, right? I used to read that verse all the time and be like intimidated by it. Like, Lord, how can I pray without ceasing? What do I, I got to go to the bathroom, you know? Like, I got what about when I'm sleeping? What about when I'm talking to somebody? That would be rude, right? Be talking to them and just, oh, yes, Lord, you know? I mean, that would, that would be kind of rude, right? What do you mean, pray without ceasing? And I began to realize that prayer, we we see prayer as a one-sided affair. And it's not a one-sided affair. It's not a one-sided activity. God doesn't want to just hear from you. (laughs) As a matter of fact, he doesn't need to hear from you. (laughs) Jesus said he already knows the things we're going to pray before we pray them. 
The activity, the discipline of prayer, part of the purpose of it is not just to vent my complaints to God, but to hear from heaven what is it that he wants to say. What is it that God wants to speak to our lives? That's going to come to us as we pray. Amen. Too many times our prayer is just a laundry list of complaints. Right? So Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer. How could we continue something we haven't started? And then to go beyond that, could we do it earnestly? What if, let me pose this question to you, what if you engaged in a prayer life that became so dynamic with God that you actually looked forward to it? Selah. What if, what if we engaged in a prayer life with God that actually, what if we actually looked forward to our quiet time instead of dreading it as a discipline and as a routine? I'm here to tell you, if you'll get close enough to God long enough, you won't want to leave. You'll start looking forward to your prayer life. You'll get excited about it. Well, you'll be like, I'm going to bed. I can't wait till I wake up in the morning so I can go pray some more. And it's when you enter into that place of union with God and into that place of prayer with God, that is what we call fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When you engage in that kind of fellowship, that's when God starts to use you in prayer. He'll start to put the needs of other people on your heart, and you'll start praying for him. He'll start to show you things you wouldn't know otherwise. Pray for so-and-so. They're dealing with this in their life. Pray for this one. They got this going on. And you're like, are you sure, Lord, they got that going on? And you'll know that you know that you know that, yeah, so-and-so's dealing with this divorce in their family. So-and-so's dealing with this sickness in their body. So-and-so's dealing with this. You'd have no other way of knowing it other than God spoke it to you. And now you've got a burden that you've got to pray for this person. And that's what happens when we engage and continue earnestly in prayer. God actually uses us. I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to meet some kingdom superstars that we didn't know existed. We're going to meet people that weren't, they didn't have 10,000 gazillion followers on Facebook. They weren't on TV five times a day. They're going to be people that weren't social media influencers. We're going to meet people that heaven considers to be absolute rock stars because they had a prayer closet life, because they did warfare on behalf of the kingdom of God when nobody could see them. You want to be used by God? Start with the mouth he gave you. Start right here. I mean, I've been, I've been stirred up all week because I've been watching and keeping track on everything that's going on in Peru. And I've been talking to my wife almost every day. And um, I've been getting really jacked up like, man, there's some really awesome stuff going on in Peru. And it, it, be, it would become easy to fall into the temptation that would say, I have to go overseas to make an impact. I got to go somewhere. I got to send support letters and raise the money and get with the team and go somewhere to some event that's happening somewhere in order for my life to be effective. You can be effective right now. You can be effective in your living room every morning. 
every afternoon, every evening. Your house can become a place where the presence of God resides. You can become a prayer, a person of prayer that literally shifts and shapes things in the spirit realm that we can't see. Is this, is this all right for you? Is this not too far off track, is it? No, you want to see a community shift? It's not going to happen because you, you know, got a bunch of people together and organized, a, you know, a sit-in somewhere. You want to see a community shift? It's not going to happen just because you did something in the natural. Real, real transformation, real progress is going to happen when we get on our face before God and cry out and say, Lord, heal our land. Lord, shift things in our community. Lord, we need revival. We need a breakout of your anointing. Lord, we need your presence. We need miracles. We need people to be saved. We need people to be transformed. That's going to come in the prayer closet. Amen. So continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. Being vigilant in it. Some of your translations may say being watchful. This word vigilant in the Greek means to keep on the lookout for something that could cause calamity. If I put it in modern terms, I'd say stay woke. Stay woke, fam. <laughs> stay woke. If you don't know what that means, neither do I. Okay. Okay. It's, just, it's just something I hear the young people say. I hear my sister say these kinds of things. It's an L.A. thing, I guess. I don't know. Stay woke. <laughs> no, be on guard, in other words. In your prayer time, let the Spirit of God train you to be a vigilant person of prayer, that you would see things that you can, by prayer, deal with before they ever get to you. You remember in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul is teaching on the armor of God? What's the last thing that he mentions is the armor? It's prayer. In, if you were to look, and I did this not too long ago when I taught on this subject and we had a graphic up on the screen. If you looked at the armor, there was one piece of armor apart from the sword. There was one other piece of armor that was an offensive armor and that was the spear that the, the Roman soldier would carry. And I believe that when Paul is teaching that last thing that he says on prayer in verse 18, praying always, he's talking about this spear that was a piece of armor that the Roman centurion would, would use and he would, it would go out in front of him and it would be attacking his enemy and it would stop the enemy before the enemy could get close enough to him because it was eight or ten feet or however long those spears were that they would carry. You see, prayer has a way of going before you and dealing with stuff that you don't necessarily even see yet. But if, but if, we're, if we continue earnestly in prayer and we become watchful, God will use us in our prayer life to deal with things before they ever happen. I could tell you so many testimonies of people who, by prayer, avoided some kind of calamity. 
God was ministering to them. They were in prayer, and the Lord, the Spirit of God said, go do this, or go do that, or pray this way, or pray that way. And they found out later that, hey, if I, wouldn't, if I would have disobeyed God, if I wouldn't have prayed that way, I would have been driving right into a bad situation. I can remember my father's testimony. I'm thinking of it now. When you were, when you were in um, Africa, in Kenya, my dad was with, who were you, who were you with? Godfrey, Godfrey Gakure. In, in Kenya, they were driving out in the bush in Kenya, driving back from a meeting. They had just had like the most amazing time in the presence of the Lord, and they were stupid drunk in the Spirit of God. They were just like wasted in the presence of the Lord, laughing, full of joy, just having a great time. And they're driving on this road, back to Nairobi, or Eldoret, Nairobi. They're coming back to Nairobi, and, and they're driving down this road that was at night was a very dangerous place. If they would have gotten stopped or stalled there, there were, it was a known road where there were bandits, and there were you know, people that would have probably tried to hurt them. And we were back in America having a prayer meeting. And during this prayer meeting, some of the people in the prayer meeting started to see my dad and Godfrey in this truck and began to pray for them. And as they prayed for him, they began, I don't want to go into the whole testimony, but as they prayed for him, they, they were praying and they were like pushing him along, like, get, get him home, Lord, get him home safe, get him home safe. Yeah, angels protect their vehicle. And in the next day, when they got to Godfrey's house, or the next morning, they came out and the wheel had fallen off. The axle had fallen off the bottom of the truck. And had that happened on the road, there's a good chance they would be not alive. But because somebody who was thousands of miles away across an ocean was in the presence of the Lord praying and saw that, they were able to pray and, and, and shift and divert the calamity away from my dad and from Pastor Godfrey. That's what happens when you continue earnestly in prayer and are watchful and vigilant. Now, Paul says, meanwhile, in verse 3, he continues his thought. You doing okay? Verse 3, meanwhile, praying for us also, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in chains. One of Paul's main priorities, one of his main prayers, you see this idea in Paul's writing numerous times in the New Testament, over and over and over again. He's asking for prayer for one thing, open a door for us to speak the gospel. In other words, Paul is perpetually looking for an opportunity to minister the gospel. I have to believe that everywhere this man went, 100% of the time, he was thinking, how can I get the word out? How can I be a witness? 
to the resurrection? How can I be, a, how can I infuse the gospel into this next conversation? He's constantly looking for a door of opportunity to be opened for him to preach the gospel. So much so that he asks in almost every letter that he's written to these different churches, he's asking them, would you pray for me that I would have the opportunity, that I would have a door being opened to me to preach this gospel? I can't help but think that that kind of attitude is a result of continuing earnestly in prayer. I can't help but think that that kind of attitude is a result of somebody who has invested themselves in prayer and now they're looking for every opportunity to speak the word. What if we didn't put it on the job of the preacher or the job of the evangelist to preach the word? What if we didn't wait for somebody else to witness to our coworkers? Huh? We always pray this prayer, Lord, send laborers. Oh, Lord, you said the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers were few. Send laborers. And God's like, I'm trying to make you a laborer, but you don't want to labor. You don't want to preach the gospel to your neighbor. You want somebody else to do it for you. Oh, Lord, I'm going to pray that these people will see you. And God's like, I put you there so that they would see me. I put you in that cubicle next to that person so that they would see me. Paul has such a conviction about the truth of the gospel that he's literally looking for every opportunity to preach. What if the church took the same, took the same attitude? What if we, as, as, as the people of God, decided today I'm going to be an evangelist? Today I'm going to preach the gospel. You don't have to have a pulpit to stand behind. Amen. Y'all all right this morning? You don't, have a, you don't have to have a pulpit to stand behind. You can preach the gospel on your job. You can preach the gospel to your family. You can preach the gospel to your next door neighbors. You can preach the gospel to your roommates. You can tell of the goodness of God and of the resurrection of Jesus to everybody. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. He's desiring that the Lord would open up every opportunity for him to be able to speak. And part of the reason is, if you keep reading in verse 4, you see that he continues his thought. He says, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Man, I am so challenged by this guy's resolve. I am so challenged by Paul and by his resolve. He says, I'm constantly on the hunt for an opportunity to preach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make it manifest. Why do you think Paul had the kind of life that he had, had the kind of miracles that he had? Why, why was his ministry so profound and so you know, amazing in its accomplishment? It's because he lived perpetually in prayer, vigilant. 
He lived with an authentic investment in the kingdom of God. And everywhere he went, he was looking for an opportunity to preach the gospel and to manifest it. That's what's amazing to me. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul's not just interested in preaching, but in manifesting the gospel. This is, in other words, this is not a gospel of theory. This is a gospel of demonstration and manifestation. And Paul's looking for every opportunity he can find to both preach and manifest the gospel. I, I don't know how this strikes your heart, but I know how it strikes mine. And I go, Lord, I want... I want to get hungrier for you. I want to get more stirred up for you. I want to get more invested in the things of God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I want to get more invested in the things of God so that I'm looking for literally every opportunity I can find to preach the good news and to make it manifest and put it on display. I believe we ought to have the same kind of attitude. I believe we ought to have the same motivation that we look for every opportunity we, that we can find to pray, to become consistent, earnest in prayer, I mean, just, I dare you, pray every day for two weeks and see what happens. I dare you. Just like carve out 15 minutes of your day. Everybody's got 15 minutes. Carve out 15 minutes of your day and start a prayer life if you don't already have one. And just see what happens. I dare you to do it. I dare you. See if God doesn't start to do things in your life that he wasn't doing before. I dare you. Become earnest in prayer. And then begin to look for every opportunity. Look for every open door. I was teaching my kids this this weekend. We went to Walmart yesterday. And we just started talking to the guy who was checking us out at the cash register. And I didn't get, I didn't even, I, you know, I just had a conversation with the guy. I was just trying to be nice to him. I could tell that he was not from the area. He had a Northeast accent. Me being born in the Northeast, I wanted to know where he was from. And we just started talking. And as I was walking out, I was realizing, like, this is a teaching moment to teach my kids on how to be listening to the things that people say so that they can find opportunities for the gospel. Part of our problem is that we go through life only thinking about ourselves, only concerned with ourselves and our own thoughts. Have you ever had this problem or have you ever had this thought where, where you're like singing in the car, having a good time, and then you stop because you think, oh, man, I don't want people to see me singing in the car. Guess what? Nobody sees you singing in the car because nobody cares about you that much. 
right? Right? No, nobody cares. It's, it's not as big. Like, like, did you ever do this? Please tell me I'm not the only one that's done it. Like, I'm singing, I'm bebopping in the car, and then I'll stop and be like, oh, man, I don't want people to see me. And the reality is nobody was looking at me in the first place because it's not about me. But we spend our whole lives invested in ourselves all the time. And so we walk past every opportunity that God puts another person in our path. He puts another person in front of us that we could minister to, that we could be the light of the world to this person. And we walk right past him because we're on our phone or because we're invested in our deal and we're doing our thing, thinking our thoughts about our life all the time. And we just make it all about us all the time. Paul's got the most unique prayer requests. I mean, you get, I get prayer requests all the time because I'm a minister. And so people pray for me for this, pray for me for this, pray for me for this, pray for me for this. Maybe maybe one out of a hundred people say, hey, pray that I'll have an opportunity to preach the gospel. Nobody prays that way. Paul did. Pray for a door to be opened. He was, he was on the hunt. He was looking all the time for every little opportunity when he could infuse the gospel into somebody's life. These are his parting thoughts to the Colossians. He's saying, you want to be successful? You want to you do the will of the Lord? You want to be successful in the things of God. You want to make an impact on history? Learn how to pray. Learn how to get excited and vigilant in your prayer life. And, and look for every opportunity to not only preach the gospel, but to manifest it. Don't be afraid to pray for the person that you work next to. Don't be afraid to pray for this person or for that person. Be ready and willing to put God on display. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.